New York has to establish a regulated adult use cannabis program. It generates approximately $300 million in tax revenue and creates good union jobs that we need. 44% of Americans 18 or older currently use cannabis. 63% of New York voters support the legalization of regulated adult-use cannabis. Governor Andrew Cuomo supports it. Both houses of the legislature support it. It really comes down to how to do it, how to do it responsibly. For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. Joining me now in the program is Nikki Kateman of uh, RWDSU Local 338. Thank you for joining us, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to talk to you a little bit first about, for those who may not be familiar with Local 338, can you tell me a little bit about who you are, who it is that you represent? Sure. Uh, we are an incredibly amalgamated union. We have a very diverse workforce. We're about 13,000 working men and women across New York State and northern New Jersey. So we represent workers in industries like uh, food retail, pharmaceutical retail. We represent Dwayne Reed, uh, located in Manhattan and, and surrounding uh, boroughs. We also represent uh, nonprofit organizations that represent the developmentally, uh, that serve the developmentally disabled. Uh, we represent um, assisted living facilities. So we are incredibly diverse, uh, but we also represent medical cannabis workers. And talk to me a little bit about how did Local 338 get involved in that representation? It was through your international, right? So our the International Union, the United Food and Commercial Workers, they represent cannabis workers throughout the United States. We got involved in uh, about 2013 in New York State when the state indicated that they were going to be passing uh, legislation to legalize medical cannabis in the state. Uh, it was about a two-year uh, legislative fight, uh, which ultimately culminated in 2014 when New York State passed the Compassionate Care Act. We partnered with advocates, uh, drug policy reformers, uh, and really we wanted to ensure that besides have patients having access to good quality medicine to, to make sure that they were living meaningful and fulfilling lives, but also that this was an opportunity to create new jobs throughout the state. Um, their their uh, cultivation facilities are primarily located upstate. So this kind of became almost like an economic development opportunity uh, to bring jobs to uh, more rural parts of the state that have not had access to new industry um, and then dispensaries throughout the state. So we wanted to ensure that there was a standard for the workforce and the, uh, the Compassionate Care Act actually included language uh, requiring a labor peace agreement um, as a condition of the applicant's license, as well as a, the licensee's uh, maintenance of their license. So we have labor peace agreements with most of the registered organizations that are operating in the state, uh, which really helped us organize this industry. Um, we have uh, three collective bargaining agreements currently, and we are actively organizing a few other companies. So this was an amazing opportunity, um, and it's been an exciting opportunity, quite honestly. Now, your secretary-treasurer, Joe Fontano, he testified at, at a few hearings, I think. I know yes. I heard him at one of the hearings in particular. My name is Joseph Fontano, and I am here on behalf of When he of was the, testifying, uh, he talked about how, you, how the union initially got involved. Part of our initial involvement was inspired by a longtime colleague who was suffering from terminal cancer. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Um, 
in addition to some other factors, but one of the factors that uh, kind of brought us to this conversation was um, a, a, a longtime colleague who was actually my first mentor at Local 338. He kind of ran the departments that I, I now uh, have the privilege of running, uh, Steve Pesnick. He, um, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Uh, and as you know, it's a really horrific, you know, disease to have. Um, and he passed away in 14 months. Uh, and we really saw, we spent a lot of time with him towards the end of his life. And we saw the difference that the disease had on him. He went from, you know, being a very robust man, uh, you know, to at the time of his death, he was about 119 pounds. Um, and really we saw the fact that a lot of why he wasn't able to fight the disease was because he was weak. Uh, he was sick all the time from the treatment. Um, and you know, he was recommended cannabis as a, as a something to help him, you know, be able to eat and keep the nausea at bay. Um, but for family reasons, he didn't, did not want to take it. He was worried about the impact it would have on, on his family. Um, just like the stigma, attached? just the stigma attached to it. The fact that at the time it was, uh, it was medical cannabis hadn't been legalized yet. Mm -hmm. Um, so he didn't have access to it. He would have to have gone to the illicit market and it made him very uncomfortable. Um, and it kind of brought us to the conversation about medical cannabis needed to be legalized. We know it had, it could have changed his life. You know, it might not, he might not have survived, but it would have made the end of his life much, much different. Um, so this became a very personal issue for us. Yeah. Um, besides, you know, job stuff aside, economic development aside, unionization aside, um, it became very personal for us. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Um, also, what I thought was interesting out of the um, testimony that came up that I wasn't aware of is um, Joe Fontano talked about members with the retirement accounts, trying to set up the retirement accounts with the banks. What's going on there? So uh, we were advised by attorneys uh, that we actually um, cannot set up, include our, our cannabis members in our pension plans or an annuity. Um, because according to the federal government, we'd be laundering money for drug cartels, uh, which is, which is amazing that the federal government thinks retirement plans are, uh, ways to launder money. Um, so, uh, I guess we're, people are getting innovative. Um, but which is obviously does a disservice to our members. Um, so in lieu of allow, having the opportunity to include these members in these programs, what we've done is we've negotiated uh, almost a stipend. So the amount that the employer would have been contributing to our pension or our annuity, they instead get as a, as a, as a stipend um, with the hope that those workers are then you know, investing in a 401k that they set up through another bank. Unfortunately, uh, we have had members tell us that they themselves are having uh, difficulties finding banks that will will be willing to establish a 401k for them hmm. uh, because they have to disclose where they work. Uh, and there are a number of banks who are very nervous about taking money from the cannabis industry. Um, so we're in a predicament. We're trying predicament around the banking issue, especially with making sure, you know, we're committed to, uh, you know, ensuring folks have the ability to retire with dignity. Mm -hmm. um, and this has been a barrier, but we're trying to get creative. Uh, we want to make sure that the opportunity is still there. So until we can find a solution either through New York State and partnering with state legislators, or we have a change in administration or a change in the way uh, 
cannabis is uh, is classified at the federal level. We just have to get innovative and make sure that our members have the opportunity to do this, even if it's on their own. Now, Local 338's been lobbying lawmakers on adult-use cannabis. You had a gathering recently here at our Albany headquarters, where our president, Mario Salento, welcomed your members and introduced your national RWDSU president, Stuart Applebaum. To my brothers and sisters of the RWDSU, I want to thank you for being here because you may not realize how important it is to do what you're doing today. We're focusing on a few issues while we're up here. Um, we're talking about cannabis. With cannabis, our concern has always been that communities that have been Having the support of our, our national union is incredibly important. Um, Stuart adds a, you know, Stuart is one of the progressive thinkers of New York State, um, and really having his support and pushing the message about why this industry needs to be unionized is incredibly important. Um, and I've been a part of the local 338 RWDSU family since I was 18 years old. So oh, it's been uh, over a decade of, uh, you know, having people to look up to, like my own local president, John Durso and Stuart Applebaum, as uh, folks to really set a standard of and uh, and really the importance of being dedicated to not just our members, but potential members. And this is an opportunity for potential members. You mentioned your local president, John Durso. He recently testified before an overflow crowd at a Suffolk County legislative hearing about adult use cannabis. The legalization of cannabis is an opportunity to expand beyond the 5% of New York's population who are currently enrolled in the state program. John has been uh, uh, speaking with state legislators as well as, well as local legislators. Um, is one of the provisions of the both the various versions of the cannabis legalization uh, proposals is an opt out. Um, and by opt out, we're talking about if adult use becomes legal in New York State, counties may have the option to ban the retail sale of adult use cannabis. Which we understand why that exists, but we want to make sure that also the counties and local officials uh, understand the potential losses. And this is not just obviously about tax revenue, but um, it's about jobs. Um, right. And so if you opt out, um, this is going to be a lot potential loss for really good family sustaining wages that will allow folks to send their kids to college, buy a house, or, or maybe even, you know, go back to school if that's what they wanted. Because um, our goal is ultimately to set up some training programs for our members. And we hope someday maybe that they'll transition in wanting to be an owner and, and hire, hire from their communities. So what will be your main message to legislators? So my message is um, our members provide the firsthand experience about wh why the cannabis industry needs to be unionized, the difference it's made in the medical cannabis industry and in ensuring good careers, um, and really just setting an industry standard. My message is ensuring that labor peace is also a condition of legalization that we ensure that good careers, these careers continue. We've seen in other states where jobs were great when the cannabis was first legalized, but as the market matured, um, the, they essentially became minimum wage jobs. We want to ensure that does not happen here. Uh, but also we'll talk a little bit about um, our, we have a very unique perspective of this industry. Obviously, we work hand in hand with workers. We are dedicated to our members. Um, but we also provide a unique in, uh, perspective because we work directly with community-based organizations. We have a number of partners throughout the state. Um, and we want to talk about how we can make sure that this industry, it's very rare you get to 
create a new industry from the ground up. So we want to make sure it's done right, that it reflects the state both at the worker level, but also at the management level and ownership level. Um, we've actually partnered with the Workforce Development Institute and Cornell University, as well as the state AFL-CAO, um, to not just develop, uh, to develop a framework for uh, worker training, worker development, worker certification, but also providing resources to small businesses, MWBEs, to support equity applicants in the resources they need to run a successful business. Obviously, you know, when a business first starts, they might start out small, but we want to make sure that they have the resources they need to grow and thrive and maybe someday hire 20 to 30 people from their community. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. it. Well, you have a um, great couple of spokespeople for you to talk about the value of a union. They're but amazing. Hi, um, my name is Kassan Cisse. Um, I work uh, for Virio Health and I'm a part of uh, Local 338. Hello, my name is Amore Swan. I work at Pharmacanus in Albany, New York, and I'm part of Local 338. I'd like to welcome Amore and Kassan to the program. Thank, Thank you, you both for being here today. Yeah, we you appreciate it. Us. Thank you. Um, Kasan, I wanted to uh, start with you. Yeah. Um, so you work for, who is it that you work for? So Virio Health Medical Cannabis Dispensary in White Plains. I work as a patient care coordinator. I work full time. Our company is essentially, you know, run by a lead of like, a. it's run by physicians, doctors. So we're really trying to kind of push that medicinal piece as far as cannabis is concerned in general. I work with patients firsthand. I do a lot of work. I speak to doctors. And it's just, you know, really great just being part of a union, being being there for you. And it's part of a family. You know, that's why I feel it's it's someone that's there to support you. And and if they're there for me, you know, I can do my job better. You know, I feel better. My life is better. My job is better. Have so, you ever been a union mem member before? No, this is the first one, my first union, my first lobbying attempt in, in my first podcast. So everything is new for me. Yeah. I'm all right. Let me ask you as well. So tell me a little bit about what it is that you do for your, your job. Sure. So I work at Pharmacanus. I'm a patient care representative. Um, basically, we always have a pharmacist on site, but um, the patient care reps really uh, talk one on one with the patients. They can we consult them, learn about their symptoms that they're looking to alleviate, learn about their lifestyle to see which uh, product would be best for them, and we work with them over time to kind of tweak um, and develop the best regimen to help them. Have you ever been a union member before? No, my first union, uh, basically, same as Kassan, first everything here, so it's exciting. So what would you say are the benefits of belonging to a union? So um, right off the bat, uh, full medical coverage, uh, dental, um, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, sustainable wages is a huge part of it. Um, pay time off when, you know, you need it, you get sick, which happens when you're working with the public. Um, and just a sense of security. Um, like Hassan said, it's a family. Uh, I feel like I'm being taken care of and I can focus then more on my job um, and doing the best I can uh, do with that. Kassan, what will be uh, some of the things you'll be trying to get across to legislators when you lobby? With the bill moving to adult use, we want it to be unionized. We want these workers, uh, my friends, you know, my colleagues to, you know, have someone there for them, you know, have the support that I have. It's more about a person to person, you know, living a better life. Right. And yeah. Amare, can you tell me what will you be saying? I mean, you get an opportunity to speak one on one with legislators. Mm -hmm. What will be your message? 
Um, basically, you know, there's this stigma surrounding uh, cannabis in the state. And I just want to, you know, kind of get across to them that this isn't just, you know, some recreational like thing. This is like an expanding job market that um, can supply right. um, jobs, sustainable jobs that, you know, you can support a family on and you can grow in and, um, you know, improve personally and it can really benefit the the populations, the communities that have uh, right. been affected negatively by cannabis so right. far. Amore and Kassan, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank and we thank really you appreciate your us. insight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Joining me now is our digital director, Kevin Eitzman. Kevin, um, we know the medical marijuana use is going well here in New York State. It'll be interesting to see how this adult use uh, portion of this works out. Yeah, the conversation has really been changing fast. Uh, and, you know, there's a number of states that have that have opted to go for recreational use across the country. I think the big difference here in New York is we have a chance to make it unionized, uh, good jobs here in New York. And that can make all the difference uh, for a lot of families around, uh, you know, the state. Absolutely. And we appreciate you listening to this podcast. And we would like to try to get you to actually um, subscribe. And we've kind of got an incentive. Let's tell them about that, Kevin. Yeah, if you go to unionstrongny.com, you fill out the form, subscribe to our podcast, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, you can get a free Union Strong hat, Union Made Union Strong hat. All right, great. Thank you, Kevin. And for the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells. And remember, stay union, stay strong.